Welcome to the Art Stories Podcast. So there I was, standing in front of a group of strangers attending a football game, being cursed out about Doritos. A minute or two later, Taylor Swift comes out and she like smiles at All-American Nashville smile and she, she introduces herself, she shakes my hand, hey I'm Taylor, hey I'm the groom. We're bringing you true personal stories told in the Southern tradition and recorded in front of a live audience. I caught just enough of the video to see a very large man making this slow walk toward a van, wearing absolutely nothing but his underwear and coated in grease. And I'm going to stop right there, and the rest of it is history. I'm your host, Chris Kinsley. There is no end to the list of things people will do in the pursuit of love. They'll change their hair color, their eye color, the way they dress, where they live, or where they work. They'll spend ungodly amounts of money. They'll give up everything else in their lives for what they say is their shot at affection and tenderness. In fact, I bet every single one of us listening has our own story of some crazy thing we've done for love. That's true for the women in today's stories as well. But first, a bit of a warning. There is a small amount of adult language in today's episode, so I'll give you a moment in case you need to put on your headphones or to save this one for later. Okay, here we go. In this first story, it's not so much what our storyteller does to get love, but rather what she does once she's found it. This is from an event we hosted last year where our theme was Two to Tango, Stories About Love. Here's storyteller Mika Beth McBride. I could give you a lot of explanations for why Chris and I decided to elope. But when it comes down to it, we knew we wanted to be married to each other, and that was just the fastest and easiest way to do it. We had been dating since high school and um, had been long distance for most of that relationship between college and grad school in different states. And so this was the first time that we found each other in the same state, and being in the same city made us really confident that we were the right people for each other and we wanted to spend our lives together. But When we started casually talking about it, we really realized that our schedules were going to make this difficult. Um, Chris was in the middle of a police academy, and he knew when he graduated, he'd be working nights and weekends and not able to take time off for at least a year. And I was a PhD student, and I was coming up on the time of my program where just there was obstacle after obstacle, and I was going to be really stressed, and I just didn't want to spend it planning a wedding. So we figured this out. We figured we were on the same page, and so we went, we got our marriage licenses, Um, And we're in the state of Texas. And in Texas, they give you 72 hours, I guess to change your mind, but 72 hours before someone can sign that license and you can be officially married. So we use our 72 hours to just hastily plan this elopement. And so we go to the mall. And we have four things we need to do on this mall trip. I need to buy my dress. He needs to buy his clothes. We need to get rings. And uh, we need to call our parents, because nobody at this point knows what we're doing. So the first store we go to, we go into Express. And the first white dress I see, I grab that dress, I try that dress on, and I say yes to that dress. (laughs) This This is honestly my ideal wedding dress buying scenario, minus there was no champagne. But other than that, we're we're doing well. So I just think Chris's clothes buying scenario is going to be the exact same. And we had never shopped together before. Uh, We have never shopped together since either. So (laughs) this. We go into one dress for me, if you might remember. We went into 
all of the stores for Chris. Um, and if you just picture that old man sitting outside of a store just waiting, like that was me on this small, this small trip. So anyway, he tries on all the clothes, he gets, he gets an outfit, it's good enough. And so we move on to the next phase. So we get on the escalator to go to K Jewelers, and it is time. We have waited long enough, we need to call our mothers. So um, we're in Texas, and our parents are about 20 hours away in Virginia. And so I'm really not sure how my mom's going to react to this. Um, she knows Chris. She's known him for a long time. She likes Chris. This is not some like random man I'm springing on her, at least, right? But also, I'm the oldest, and no one else in my family is married. And I'm just worried that she has been wanting to plan this with me, and I'm going to be taking this from her. So take a breath. I call her, and I do that thing that you do when you're like about to spring something on someone, where I just like make some awkward small talk for a minute. And then I just say, so Chris and I are getting married on Friday. And she does not skip a beat. Like she tells me how happy she is and how glad she is for me and you know how much she loves me. She is so nice about it that I'm actually really concerned she didn't hear the on Friday part. <laughs> so I like back it up and I say on Friday, the two days from now Friday, that one, we're getting married then. Um, and she just still, she's so happy. She's like, I know, I'm, you know, all these really nice things. And I am like, this is fantastic. This conversation could not have gone better. So I kind of glance over to Chris and he is not on the phone. And I think, okay, she just didn't answer the phone. So I, I do that like mouth to him, you know, how did it go? And he gives me that like wide eyed, tight lipped, like, mm, did not go well. Okay, so I gotta get off the phone with my mom and then we need to debrief the situation. So I get back to her and she tells me, you know, there's someone at the door, let me call you back. And then she goes, oh my goodness, it's Chris's mom, I have to go. So. <laughs> So we went to high school together. So our moms are only 10 minutes apart from each other. And when Chris told his mom we're going to elope, she hopped in her car, drove straight to my mom's house. And I guess so they could have like a meeting of the moms, talk some sense into their kids, get a, like a regular wedding planned. Um, and she was babysitting. So she just, she just brought that baby with her. <laughs> so my mom does what she always does in these situations. And when she sees someone who's really upset, she will use any tools at her disposal to calm that person down. So she sees my very distressed future mother-in-law, she sees the baby, and she says, they'll probably have one of those soon. <laughs> so we did have a baby like three years later. Not as uh, the rumor mill then went around my extended family less than nine months later, right? But um, for all the grief that, that shotgun weddings get, fake shotgun weddings are actually a really good strategy if you just need to get through an elopement, so you can hold on to that. Um, so we get to the day of our wedding, our 72-hour passes, and we show up at the office of retired judge Bob Perkins. And so it is in downtown Austin, and our good friends Laura and Andrew meet us, and they're our witnesses. And Andrew has brought a prayer, and he's going to read this prayer at the end of the, the elopement ceremony. And Laura has brought the laptop, and she has the very important job of finding somewhere to put this laptop in this office so that we can Skype with our weddings for the, the elopement, or Skype with our families for the elopement. So it is very obvious from the moment we step foot and retire Judge Bob Bergen's office that there is literally only one place for this laptop to go, and that is on the full-size roulette table that's taking up pretty much his entire office. <laughs> and so he told us at least three times that this roulette table was from the film Rio Bravo with John Wayne. 
Um, so if you're like this, at this point, what state are they in? Yes, we're still in Texas at this point in the story. Um, so we set the laptop up, we get the, the call connected, and we're surprised by two things when we see from our families. So they have come together, and they're all in the living room of my, of my mother-in-law and father-in-law, and they are dressed as though they have actually gone to a wedding. <laughs> and as though this was a really fancy wedding. Like, they are dressed very nicely for this Skype wedding. Like, it's rivaling us after our, like, four-hour mall trip, right? So um, my brother-in-law and father are both in tuxes. And I, I should clarify, they're in tuxes from, like, the waist up. The, the bottom is just shorts, because it's Skype. You know, you don't need pants for Skype. So... <laughs> And then the second thing that surprises us is my mother-in-law has a, like a normal-sized living room, but they have taken all of the furniture, they've pushed it out, and there are rows of chairs set up in this living room. And at the end of every row, they have tied like these ribbons in the shape of flowers. <laughs> there are just balloons all over the room. I mean, if you can picture like a medium-sized church's overflow room with our Easter service, like that's what we have going on here. And so, you know, retired Judge Bob Perkins wants to get things going, so everyone takes their seats in their, their Skype living room. Um, and then, um, you know, so we get married. And, you know, we have some great pictures of the living room and them in their half tuxes and us on the computer screen. Um, and so we settle into things. And we, um, you know, Chris graduates from the academy and I keep going to my PhD program. And about 20 months in, we do the traditional thing 20 months after getting married and we decide to take a honeymoon. Um, and so we're going to St. Lucia. And about a week before we go to St. Lucia, we get this call from the resort manager. And she explains to us that they are a well-known resort for destination weddings. But uh, they're so well-known that this French travel show is going to do a special about destination weddings and feature them as one of the resorts. But they don't have anyone getting married that week. And would Chris and I be willing to get fake married for this French travel show? Um, and they said, we'll handle all the details. We'll deal with the reception, you know, all this stuff. And so we say, of course, you know. So... Um, we go to the mall again, separately this time, um, get our clothes again, call our families again, tell them we're getting married again, um, tell them that they're not invited to this wedding either, you know, just like <laughs> twist it in. <laughs> and so then we fly to St. Lucia, and in, in St. Lucia, it's the day of the wedding, and so, you know, they help us, they help me get my hair and makeup ready, we put our clothes on, we sit down at the, in the lobby, and the host of this French travel show is gonna, he's gonna interview us for the, the show. And so they put the cameras and lights in our face. And he asks us a series of questions that if we had been planning a destination wedding, and if we had not already been married for 20 months, and if we had not just learned about this last week, would have been really easy questions to answer. <laughs> but since that was not the case, we stumbled through stuff like, um, why did you wanna have a destination wedding? And, why did you choose St. Lucia? And why aren't your friends and family coming? You know, just <laughs> that one felt like a plant from our friends and family. But so we finished that interview and then we walk up on this mountain and you can see the, the volcano and you can see the beach and there's just like this mist over the rainforest. We're like deep in the rainforest. You can see, hear the birds and see the, the flowers and it's just so colorful. It is a significant step up from retired Judge Bob Perkins' office. <laughs> 
so we get married and we have the efficient and we have the resort manager and her family. Um, we have the camera crew around us. We have our bridal party who is a random British couple that also happened to be staying at the resort that weekend and said, sure, they would love to play the roles of our dear friends. So we get married and then we go back and we have the reception. We eat dinner, we cut a cake. A lot of people cheer, just like the resort manager just brought her friends. And so there's like a lot of people at our, our second fake wedding. Um, and they, you know, they film us and we drink rum and we eat cake and it's like a really nice night. So I like to think that somewhere, some French couple is channel surfing and has come across this and now they have gotten married in St. Lucia. So I don't know if that's true, but that's what I like to think. So people ask us all the time if um, we regret eloping. Most of the time, the person asking us is a couple that's like a little into their own wedding planning. And to those couples, I always say, keep planning your wedding. It's going to be beautiful. And you are not about to trick me into being the main enemy of your future in-laws. Um, but no, we really we don't regret it. I used to think back on this story, and I would think about how much we surprised our family. Like, we kind of impulsively sprung this on them, and I kind of feel bad for that. But the more I think about it, what actually strikes me is how much they really surprised us in that moment. Um, that rather than like just telling us how disappointed they were, they just got into action, you know, and had really loved and supported us with like such an intensity. And um, we're coming up on seven years of marriage now, and I just know that our family's love and support, um, not just through getting married, but through all of the rest of it, has been a really big part of what our marriage is today. Thank you. Mika Beth McBride is a sociology professor at the University of Alabama at Birmingham. You can find her on Instagram at Mika Beth. That's M-I-E-K-E-B-E-T-H. Mika Beth. And we all, like our next storyteller, have stories of dates gone awry but I'm willing to bet none of us has one quite like this. This story was recorded at an event we hosted a couple of years ago where our theme was more than words, stories of love and heartache. Here's storyteller Emily Dots. So when I was at school at Montevallo, I'd been hanging out with this guy. We had been listening to music. It was like the Shins and Interpol then, so, you know, all that good stuff. And um, we decided that we would go on our first date, official first date. And the guys that had been dating at college were kind of art punk rock guys, kind of messy, gross. But this guy, he was really well put together. He looked like the kind of guy that, you know, his dad would sue you. <laughs> And so I thought, you know, for a change, I'll go out with this really put together, nice looking guy. So this is around the time that Netflix had just first come out and all they would do was mail you DVDs in the mail. Uh, it's all you'd get, there was no streaming, what was streaming? So we decided for our first date, we would get his favorite movie on Netflix and the day it came in, we would go to Birmingham and have dinner. 
it came in and we headed up to Birmingham in my car, my cute little Volkswagen Cabrio that I'd saved up so much money for when I was in high school. And we talked about it and he was like, I love your car. And I was like, I know, I love it so much. I, it's awesome, you put the roof down, it's just amazing, it's the best car. So we make it up to Surin West. It's my first time at Surin West and I'm really excited, having Thai food, never had it before. Well, I'm 20, so I can't drink, although a beer would be a nice nerve killer, but uh, nope. But he proceeds to get beer, after beer, after beer, after beer. And I'm like, oh, this is fine, this is fine. You know, I'm driving anyway, I'm underage, I can't drink, this is fine. So the check comes, and he suddenly goes, And ever the optimist, I'm like, yeah, this is still fine. <laughs> I think I have enough money for this. This is okay. So I pay, we get back in my car and we drive back to Montevallo to watch the movie. Well, we are about at 4.59 and he suddenly says to me, do you wanna know a new way back to Montevallo? I'm like, yeah, sure, I'd love to. Love back roads, let's do this. Um, so he says, pull off here, um, this is like the Palomexa, and, um, so off we go, and some back roads, um, down by, what, what's the name of that restaurant, and the Shell Station, a really fancy restaurant. So we're just, uh, yes, Fox Valley, thank you. <laughs> so we're just going, going down the road, and, uh, it's the middle of winter, and suddenly my windshield fogs up, and I'm like, oh, well, this is, it's bad. So I'm fiddling with the knobs, trying to get it unfogged so I can see. I'm going underneath the speed limit. And suddenly I look up and I have no idea where the road goes. There's just nothing. And um, I look over to the left and I see long gray continuous line. That, there we go, road. So I pull up onto the road. But suddenly, my car won't go further anymore. And that is because my tires are stuck in gravel of a train track. So my drunk date gets out of the car, and he's like, we're gonna get you off this train track. And he's pushing the car, and it's a stick shift, so I have to be in it, holding the clutch down. And finally we realize it's just stuck. It is stuck. A guy comes by in his truck and he pulls up. He's like, y'all need some help. I'm like, you got a hitch on that truck of yours. You can help me get off. And he was like, I'm not sacrificing my truck for your car. You know, it's there. So we, suddenly I hear the train whistle. And y'all are from Alabama. So you know that when you hear the train whistle, you still got a little while before the train actually gets there. I mean, like, you just gotta sit there. So I'm sitting there, I'm waiting, freaking out. And uh, people are starting to pile up at the train crossing on both sides, cars are piling up and we're just standing there and finally my date's like, we gotta move because here comes the light and here comes the train. So he starts trying to run that way. <laughs> and I'm thinking and I'm going, no wait, daddy taught me physics. If you run that way, that's the way the train's coming. That's the way the debris goes. You don't run that way, you run that way. So we're running, running away from the train. And finally, I'm just standing there. The train comes and it hits my car. And my car gets wedged really good right underneath the front of the train. 
and then the train just beats it while my train, my, my car spins just all the way, like 500 feet down the tracks. And there's sparks flying and, and I'm just horrified. And my date is behind me going, fuck yeah, <laughs> this is amazing. Have you ever seen anything so cool? I have never seen anything like this in real life. Awesome. So, a fire truck shows up, an ambulance shows up, state trooper shows up. About, let's see, oh, just a bunch of emer emergency workers. The guy, conductor of the train comes running out and he just looks exactly like you and expect a conductor of the train to look. I mean, he has the overalls on, they are pinstripe, he is wearing the hat that matches. <laughs> But he's flipping out and I feel so bad for the guy. I mean, I realize my car just got hit by a train, but he's terrified that he just killed someone because he doesn't know whether or not anybody was in the car. And we reassure him, everyone's fine. It's not a big deal. My date is still giggling in the background. <laughs> and he just feels, the, the train conductor, he just feels so bad, but we, we make sure he's okay. So I'm not allowed anywhere near my car. Gas line's been severed. It's just a mess. State trooper says, can I give you a ride back? We're like, yeah. So we pile in his car. I'm in the front seat. My date's in the back seat. And the whole way back, he wants to talk about how cool that was. That was so cool. And I'm just, yeah, mm-hmm, in shock, in complete shock. So we make it back to his apartment. And he ushers me inside. And I just, I'm numb. I can't think about anything. I don't want to walk home because that's the only option at this point. And he's like, do you, do you want to watch the movie? That, you know, do you, do you want to watch it? I mean, hey, got my favorite movie. Let's do it. Um, so I'm like, sure, what, whatever. I sit down on the floor. He sits down on the sofa. He puts in the movie. And the credits flash. And I had forgotten that we had rented train spotting. <laughs> Thank you. Emily Dykes is a graphic designer and marketing specialist for CCR Architecture and Interiors. You can find her on Facebook at emily.dykes.71. Now, if you want to hear more of our stories, obviously subscribe to this podcast. We'd also love it if you would share it with a friend, but we also want you to come to one of our live events. And if you like today's stories, then you'll love our next one. It's coming up this next weekend on Saturday, February 9th at the Avon Theater in Birmingham, Alabama. Our theme will be What's Love Got to Do With It? Stories about love. You can get your tickets by visiting our website, arcstories.com. And that's our show for today. Thank you for listening to the Arc Stories podcast. I'm Chris Kinsley. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Chris Kinsley. Arc Stories is at all those places too, at Arc Stories. This podcast is produced by me and Arc Stories director Taylor Robinson. Preston Lovey Good composed our theme. Special thanks to Eric Chapman from Symmetric Sound for his audio expertise, as well as to Audra Whaley, Betsy Lee, Aaron Moon, Leonard Lee Smith, Ryan Whaley, and Katie Ballou for making this episode possible. 
If you like our show, please rate us and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. It means the world to us. We've made it really easy for you. Just go to arcstories.com slash apple. And while you're there, be sure to look around the rest of arcstories.com. There you can listen to other stories. You can stay up to date with all of our events and everything else we have going on. And you can even submit your own story to tell. After all, we are always asking, what's your story?